Jai, so we are continuing the topmost yoga system by His Divine Grace Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada and we are on page number 63 starting the chapter 5 called Our Real Life The Bhagavad Gita says that out of many thousands of human beings one may try to make perfection in his life. Man is an animal, but he has one special prerogative, rational thought. What is that rational thought? Reasoning power, argument. Now, reasoning power is there in dogs and cats as well. Suppose a, da- a dog comes up to you. If you say hut, he'll understand. The dog will understand that you don't want him. So he has some reasoning power. But what is the special reasoning power of the human being? As far as the bodily necessities are concerned, the reasoning power is there even in the animal. If a cat wants to steal some milk from your kitchen, she has very nice reasoning power. She is always looking to see when the master is out and she can take. So, for the four propensities of animal life, eating, sleeping, mating and defending, there is reasoning power, even in beasts. Then, what is the special reasoning power of the human being, by which he is called the rational animal? The reasoning power is to inquire. Why am I suffering? This is the special reasoning. The animals are suffering, but they do not know how to remedy the suffering. But human beings are making scientific advancement and philosophical advancement, cultural advancement, religious advancement, progress in so many lines because they want to be happy. Where is the point of happiness? This reasoning power is especially given to the human being. Therefore, in the Gita, Krishna says, Out of so many men, one may know me. Generally, the people are just like animals. They simply do not know anything beyond the necessities of the body. How to sleep, how to eat, how to mate, and how to defend. And the Bhagavad Gita says, Out of many thousands, someone may develop this reasoning power. Why am I suffering? He asked this question, why am I suffering? We do not want to suffer, but suffering is forced upon us. We do not want too much cold, but too much cold and too much heat are forced upon us. When there is some impetus to awaken this reasoning power, it is called Brahma Jigyasa. This is found in the Vedanta Sutra. The first verse says that now this human form of life is meant for us asking the question of how to solve the problem of suffering. So Krishna says that this special prerogative of the human being is not awakened very easily, except by some good association. Just as we have this Krishna conscious association, 
If we attain such association, where nice things are discussed, then that awakening of reason, that special prerogative of the human being, will come. As long as this question does not arise in one's mind, he should understand that whatever activities he is doing will lead to his defeat. He is simply leading an animal life. But not when these questions arise. Why am I suffering? What am I? Am I meant for suffering? Am I meant for troubles? I am undergoing troubles by nature's law and by state's law. So the question of freedom is how to become free from all these troubles. The Vedanta Sutra also says that the soul, my actual self, is by nature joyful. Yet I am suffering. Lord Krishna further says that when these questions arise, gradually one comes to God. Those who have awakened to these questions are said to be on the path of perfection. And when the questions of God and our relationship with God, that is our final perfection of life. When that question comes. Now, Krishna says that out of many thousands of people, one may try to make perfection of this life. And out of many millions of such persons on the path of perfection, only one may understand Krishna. So, understanding Krishna is not very easy. But it is also the easiest. It is not easy, but at the same time, it is the easiest. It is the easiest if you follow the prescribed forms. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has introduced this chanting of Hare Krishna. He has not exactly introduced it, it is in the scriptures, but he has especially propagated this formula. In this age, this is the easiest method of self-realization. Simply chant Hare Krishna. It can be done by everyone. In my classroom, I am perhaps the only Indian. My students are all Americans, and they are taking part in the chanting very nicely, chanting and dancing. That means that in any country, in any place, this can be performed. Therefore, it is the easiest. You may not understand the philosophy of the Bhagavad Gita. That is also not very difficult, but still, if you think that you cannot understand, you can simply still chant very easily, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. If we want to understand God, Krishna, this is the beginning, the easiest beginning, simply chanting. Now, there are many students of my ISKCON institution. This institution is open a little over a year. Wow, this book was written a little over a year after the after the inauguration of ISKCON. Joy! But some of my students, by simply chanting, by the grace of Krishna, have advanced in such a way that they can talk about the science of God and they will very easily answer those human questions. So, this is the easiest method of transcendental meditation. Krishna says that out of many millions of people, one may understand him. 
but by chanting of this Hare Krishna as introduced by Lord Chaitanya, chanting and dancing. You can understand Krishna within a very short time. Knowledge begins not from Krishna, but from things which we are accustomed to see every day. Land is gross. If you touch it, you can feel its hardness. But as soon as the land becomes still finer, it is water, and the touch is soft. And then again, from water to fire, still finer. After fire or electricity, the air is still finer. And after air, the sky, ether, is finer still. Beyond ether, the mind is still finer. And beyond the mind, intelligence is still finer. And if you go beyond intelligence to understand the soul, it is finer still. From these elements, people have discovered so many sciences. There are many scientists, for example, who are soil experts. They can say by analyzing a particular type of earth, what kind of minerals are there. Somebody seeks out silver, somebody seeks out gold, somebody seeks out mica, mica. This is knowledge of gross things, the earth. If you go to finer substances, then you study water or liquid things, such as petrol and alcohol. Go still finer, and from water you will go to fire and electricity. If you study electricity, you have to study all sorts of books. And from this finer fire, you will come to air. We have so much advancement in our airplanes, and we are studying how they move, how they are made, and now Sputniks and jets, so many things are being discovered. Next comes the study of ethereal, electronics, ethereal transformations from one thing to another. Okay, just a side point. Ethereal, Prabhupada lists electronics into it because that included the radio back then and now ethereal sciences are Wi-Fi and all of these 3G's, 5G's so we have come a lot further in ethereal sciences then finer still is the mind psychology and psychiatry but for intelligence, rationalism there is only a little philosophical speculation and what about the soul? Is there any science of the soul? The materialists have none. Material science has advanced to the study of the ether, or the mind and intelligence. But there is no advancement beyond that, beyond intelligence. They do not know what exists. But here in the Bhagavad Gita, you can find this. The Bhagavad Gita begins at the point after intelligence. When Arjuna was perplexed at the outset, his intelligence was perplexed whether to fight or not to fight. Krishna begins the Bhagavad Gita from the point where intelligence fails. How does knowledge of the soul begin? It is just like a child is playing. You can understand this child's body is now so small, but one day this child will be a grown-up like you or me. 
but the same soul will continue. So, by intelligence, you can understand that although the body is changed, the soul is there. The same soul which was existing in the body of the child is still continuing in the body of the old man. Therefore, the soul is permanent and only the body has changed. This is a very easy thing to understand. And the last change of this body is death. As at every moment, every second, every day, every hour, the body is changing. So the last change is when one cannot act with the body. And so he has to take another one. Just as when my clothes is too worn out or old, I cannot put it on. I have to take a new cloth. It is similar with the soul. When the body is too old or unworkable, I have to change to another body. This is called death. This is the beginning of the Bhagavad Gita, when the preliminary knowledge of the soul is there. And if you find that there are only a few who can understand the existence of the soul as permanent and of the body as unchangeable. Excuse me, the soul is permanent, body is changeable, obviously, from birth to death. Therefore, Bhagavan, Lord Krishna says that out of many, many millions of people, one may understand it. But still, the knowledge is there. If you want to understand it, it is not difficult. You can understand it. Now, we should inquire into the existence of the ego, the finest material substance. What is ego? I am pure soul, but with my intelligence and mind, I am in contact with matter, and I have identified myself with matter. This is false ego. I am pure soul, but I am identifying falsely. For example, I am identifying with the land, thinking that I am Indian, or that I am American. This is called Ahankara. Ahankara means the point where the pure soul touches matter. That function is called Ahankara. Ahankara is still finer than intelligence. Krishna says that there are eight material elements. Earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence and false ego. False ego means false identification. Our nascent life has begun from this false identification, thinking that I am this matter, although I am seeing every day at every moment that I am not this matter. Soul is permanently existing, while matter is changing. This misconception, this illusion, is called ahankara, false ego. And your liberation means when you are out of this false ego. What is that status? Aham Brahmasmi. I am Brahman. I am spirit. That is the beginning of liberation. Of course, one may be suffering from disease, from fever, and the temperature may come down to normal 98.6 degrees. So he is now normal. But that is not the cure. Suppose for two days he has a 98.6 degree temperature. 
but with a slight change in diet, a slight change of behavior, the temperature rises immediately to 100. Relapse. Similarly, simply purifying the mind, rejecting this false ahankara identification, I am not this body, I am not this matter, I am spirit soul, this is not liberation. It is only the beginning of liberation. If you stick to this point and continue, just as you might continue your activities and keep your temperature at 98.6 degrees, then you are a healthy man. For example, in the West now there is some propaganda for taking intoxications. The people want to forget the bodily experience. But how long will you forget? There will be a relapse. You can forget for one hour or two hours by intoxication and think that I am not this body, but unless you are actually on the platform of understanding yourself by knowledge, it is not possible to continue. Still, everyone is trying to think, I am not this body. They have experienced that they are suffering so much on account of bodily identification, so if only I could forget my bodily identification. There you go, right? The root cause of alcoholism and drug addiction and everything. That we are thinking that we're so, basically, we're suffering and we just want to be happy and we're like, can I just forget my body, the identification? But there's a relapse. Wow, this is incredible. Relapse. Jai. Such a, such a fantastic explanation of why sometimes we keep falling a little bit off of our spiritual track. There is a relapse, basically. We have to... Ah, let's, let's read what we exactly have to do. This is only a negative conception. When you actually realize yourself, simply understanding that you are Brahman will not do. You have to engage in the activities of Brahman. That's it. That's it. Otherwise, you will fall down. Simply flying very high is no solution to the problem of going to the moon. Nowadays, the fools are trying to go to the moon, but they simply go 240,000 miles up from the earth, touch the moon and return. And they are very proud. There is so much talk of aeronautics, crowds and meetings and conferences, but what have they done? What are 240,000 miles in that vast sky? If you go 240 million miles, still you are limited. So this will not do. If you want to go high, you must have permanent shelter. If you can take rest there, then you cannot fall down. But if you have no rest, then you will have to fall down. The airplane goes high 7 miles, 8 miles up from the earth, but it cannot it comes down immediately. It cannot stay there perpetually. It comes down immediately. So, simply understanding a hankara means no more than understanding the false identification. Simply understanding that I am not matter, I am soul, 
is not perfection. The impersonalist, the void philosopher, simply thinks of the negative. That I am not this matter, I am not this body. This will not stay. You have to not only realize that you are not matter, but you have to engage yourself in the spiritual world. And that spiritual world means to be working in Krishna consciousness. That spiritual world, that functioning of our real life is Krishna consciousness. False ego I have already explained. It is neither matter nor spirit. But the junction where the spirit soul comes into contact with matter and forgets himself. So false ego is that junction between the spirit soul coming in contact with the matter and forgetting that we are spirit soul. Okay, it is just as in delirium a man is diseased and his brain becomes puzzled and gradually he forgets himself and becomes a madman. He is gradually forgetting. So there is the beginning of loss and there is one point where he forgets. That beginning point is called ahankara or false ego. Chanting the Maha Mantra Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare is the process not merely of putting an end to this false conception of the self, but it goes beyond that to the point where the pure soul, the pure spirit soul engages in his eternal, blissful, all-knowing activities in the loving service of God. This is the height of conscious development, the ultimate goal of all living entities, now evolving through the cycles and species of material nature. Jai, this was a wonderful, beautiful chapter, wasn't it? It was just fantastic, I would say, just incredible. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. And tomorrow we'll begin chapter 6 called the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. So see you tomorrow. Hare Krishna. And as always, I will remind you that there is a link to this wonderful book in the description where you can read, download, or copy, um, purchase. So please visit that link if you'd like to read uh, with us or read ahead of us. And, um, and we do have an email, shravanamteam at gmail.com for any inquiries or feedback. Yes, and we'll see you next time. Hare Krishna.